Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the 49ers Focus Podcast. I am your host, Forge, and with me as always, my co-host, and for L, how you doing today, buddy? I'm doing well, Ford. Not such a good time to be a Niner fan, obviously, but I'm uh, confident in what this team has, you know, in the long run. But, you know, in the short term, obviously a tough pill to swallow given where we are. Tough game that we had against Green Bay the short week, the injuries that we had prior to it. So it was a real tough game on Thursday. What were your thoughts? It was pretty rough for sure. And there's not really a whole lot to to get into there it's it's sort of a weird situation with all the the covid and people who had the false positives and then were in close proximity to the false positives so the team wasn't complete by any measure so you know we're missing Ayuk and Bourne and Trent Williams and it was just kind of a disaster the the game itself now there's not much going on not worth any not, really not worth anything to talk about Richie James had a nice game I mean, you could ask whether or not that's a that's a thing moving forward. I don't really think it is. Uh, I think he's got some talent, but he's not good with the ball in his hands, I don't think. Part of that might have been a byproduct of the injury. I had mentioned it during the thread. But there was a there was a play that you had actually commented on where he basically took one of the the little handoffs that count as a pass, but it's essentially a handoff. But he does the uh basically the sweep. And you had said during the thing that, you know, if that was Debo, that's probably a touchdown. And I actually happen to agree with that. I think if that was Ayuk or Debo, that's a that's a touchdown. I don't think Richie James has – I don't know how to explain it. I, I don't think he's as good with the ball in his hands as, as those guys are. I don't think he has the tenacity. I, I actually – given his athletic gifts, I, I think he kind of lacks a little wiggle with the ball in his hands, which is really weird because he's got it when he doesn't have the ball in his hands. So – I think that there's there's probably some wide receiver three, wide receiver four type role for him moving forward. I, I wouldn't mind seeing him sort of take that in the future since Bourne's a free agent and Taylor is, is clearly not a guy that we should be investing in. I, I do think that there's something to like about what I saw, but I, I think the upside's kind of capped. I don't I don't think that there's much more than that wide receiver three-ish type player. I think he's, you know, he's very limited in terms of his size. Obviously that's bad. He does have great speed and all that, but I just don't think he's all that great with the ball in his hands. Maybe we should have known that from the way he returns punts, but it was a nice game for him. Nonetheless, a couple of them were broken coverages, but even if you take those out, he still had close to a hundred yards, you know? So I do think that there's a little something like we might want to further take a look at and maybe give him some more opportunities because we did not give him a whole lot of opportunities last year for some reason. So I would encourage that, but I would keep my reason, my expectations reasonably in check with regards to what he is. How do, how do you feel about Richie James? Yeah, I agree a lot. I think that he was coming off an injury. I think it was pretty clear. There was one play that you referenced actually in the game day thread, like why did he kind of throttle down? It looked like he had a clear path to the end zone. And he kind of slowed down. I think it really was that his ankle is not 100%. And he did have a nice game. The Packers clearly were not going to let us run. I mean, no matter what, even late in the game, when they were up multiple scores, they were still stacking the box and they were just not going to let us run on them. So I think the deep to middle part of the field was open. They were kind of pressuring Mullins to throw the ball down the field. They were kind of leaving those areas open. Jair Alexander got hurt and they kind of just rotated in sort of their backup corners towards the end of the game. And I thought he kind of took advantage of that. 
Mullins was throwing the ball down the field farther than I think he had in any game of his life. You know, I think that the Packers weren't really expecting that, and they kind of let us do it. So I think that that his numbers were a little bit inflated in that game. He is a solid player. I think he is a good kick returner. I don't think he's a good punt returner. I would rather see Trent Taylor there just because Trent Taylor, I feel really confident, is not going to make any blunders and punts. And honestly, that's about all you can hope for sometimes. But as far as kickoffs go, he's pretty good. He's got that straight line speed. I think he could be a pretty solid deep threat. But that unfortunately has not been something that we've utilized here, despite a lot of people liking that. I think Kyle does want to do more downfield passing. I think in a perfect world, if he could, he would. But you know, we haven't really had the personnel to do it both at wide receiver and at quarterback. So you know, we haven't seen a lot of it here. But I do think that that's a big part of the offense uh, in, a, in a perfect world. So, you know, I, I do like what I saw. Obviously, it was nice to have somebody making plays, you know, just a really brutal game. Obviously, you know, not having Trent Williams, I think seeing Justin school out there kind of made me understand a little bit more why we didn't trade them. I know you and I had talked about trading Trent Williams at the trade deadline, and you were pretty adamantly for it. Makes a lot of sense if he's not going to be somebody that we're going to re-sign, which who knows if we'll have the cap space. If he was not going to be a guy that we were going to re-sign, I think we would have been smart to move him. But seeing school out there, just not being able to pass block anybody, I think one of the main reasons why the coaching staff said we can't we can't trade Trent Williams and why I also think he should be a big priority for us to re-sign this offseason. So it was a weird time, the short week, the trade deadline. Love to hear sort of your thoughts on the trade deadline and uh, maybe some things you might have approached differently. No, I mean, they bombed it. <laughs> I mean, they bombed it. You, okay, I shouldn't say that. That would have been my play. You have to sell off the parts that aren't coming back. There's no reason not to. And, they, and some of those parts would have been in demand. Now, that being said, there's some craziness here going on with the NFL season, which it drives me nuts. But the fact of the matter is they've now approved the 16-team thing if the games are canceled, which was something that was always on the table. We are actually only like a game out of that. I think we're team number nine. So I guess in some weird sort of way, you maybe keep trying for that. I think it's a horrible decision to do that, but... Whatever. I'm not, my job isn't dependent on this stuff. So for me, it's easier to be like, okay, th- this season's over. Let's, let's cash it in and, and look forward. I would have sold a lot as much as possible. There, there wasn't a lot of movement. So, you know, it's fair to, it's fair to wonder if there, there was a lot of interest in anyone. You know, money's tight. Teams are losing money hand over fist. That's a, that's a reasonable question on whether or not there were a lot of inquiries on anybody, even the cheap guys like a Kerry Hyder. But yeah, I definitely would have been putting some feelers out. I feel like, and I, again, I have nothing to back that up just from the perspective of there's a lot of teams with needs. There's a lot of teams in playoff contention. There's a lot of cheap guys and there's a lot of people not coming back that we could have moved some people, picked up some picks, whatever. (sighs) There's just nothing like, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo's on IR. We've seen what Nick Mullins can do. It's not promising. We're at this point, I feel like. The rest of the season, we're probably six and ten, seven and nine. Now, I'm not going to discount wins at Dallas and Washington as a possibility. And then, yeah, we might just run up an extra win somewhere. So I could definitely see us finish six and ten, seven and nine. I just, even fighting for that eighth 
in final, you know, or seventh, depending on if games get canceled, fighting for that that final playoff spot just doesn't do money anything for me. I would have much rather traded off some pieces, gotten some extra picks, and and gone that route because a lot of these guys aren't going to be back next year. Right, right now we are about twenty million under the cap, and which is pretty solid. But if you try to resign Trent Williams, that's pretty much all of it. So. Yeah, I, I, you know, you're you're gonna have a lot of guys who who aren't coming back, and I just want to move them on. Like Kerry Hyder probably won't be back because the replacement for Kerry Hyder is actually in house. It should be Ronald Blair. You sign him to another cheap deal because he's not gonna play hardly at all this year. He's not gonna have a market. We know him better than anybody. So you give him a one year, two million dollar deal and bring him back. And so he's the replacement for Hyder. A Quan Williams. We have Jamar Taylor, who's on the squad, who's been playing the role. And we can always bring Jimmy Ward down to corner to put more back at safety if we want to take a look at him. Tart kind of hurt, so I get how that didn't happen. But, yeah, I just thought there was a lot of parts, and, and I don't know whose decision it was to not. I just think you you missed the boat there by not moving anybody. I, I'm not saying everybody had to be dealt, but I would have I would have made a trade or two. Williams would have garnered the biggest return, and – yeah, I don't know if we're going to resign him. I don't know. And you can't get anything better than a fifth. And that's assuming we don't sign anybody that would cancel that out. So I don't know. The deadline was sort of a, a bummer all across the, the the league. It was just there wasn't much going on in comparison to the previous years. So, yeah, who knows? It might have just been quiet across across the league, but definitely a missed opportunity for us. To, to kind of just recoup some of these picks, you know, I mean, I know that a lot of people are like, well, it's a fifth round pick, but you can take maybe a fourth and a fifth and get up into the third. You know what I mean? Like this is, this is what those moves are for those, those you acquire these extra picks and then you can combine them to move up higher in the draft. So it's not just about like, Oh, well we gave up a, you know, we're, we're, we're we just lost a fifth. I mean, you know, in the right circumstance, that fifth can become a third. So I, I, I definitely a missed opportunity for me, but you know, do, I don't know if there's anything that could be, could have been done about it. They just might've been the way the league unfolded. I just, it kind of sucks because we should have, we've, we should have been trying to cash in on some of these, some of these players. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think that given Kyle Shanahan is our coach and he's also kind of the guy in charge. You know, I, I don't know many coaches that ever really want to sell. I think that, you know, they are in the locker room with these guys on a day to day. And I think they want to be able to look these guys in the eye and say, hey, we're going to go win. If you start selling off pieces, you know, that may cause some players to say, well, you don't believe in this year. I mean, it kind of can change sort of the mindset in the building. And I think as a coach, you never really want to have guys thinking that way. Everybody locked in like, look, we're going to win this week and we're going to win next week and we're going to keep winning and we're going to go to the playoffs. That's kind of the mindset. So it's, you know, an interesting dynamic having a coach as sort of the guy in charge, because I think any any GM really should have been pushing for it. I mean, I got to believe a guy like Kerry Hyder had some value. I mean, he's had a nice year uh, and there's a lot of teams that need edge help this year. So I feel like the picks could have been there, you know, whether or not it's a late round pick. It seems like this staff has had a lot of success drafting in the later rounds as well. So I'm fine with picking up sixth, seventh round picks. I'm fine with another side of it is clearing the cap space this year and having it roll over. I mean, until we traded Quan Alexander, we were right up against the cap. We couldn't even elevate anyone from our practice squad for the Thursday game had we not made that trade previously. So that was obviously from a long-term standpoint, 
shedding some salary, getting some picks. It's kind of a lost year. We also, you know, increase our chances of having a higher pick this year. From a purely team building standpoint, in a long term sense, it would have been the the right move to make. But I don't necessarily blame Kyle for not making it. Like you said, we don't really know what the discussions were. Nobody really made a lot of trades this year. It seemed like they happened kind of early. And, and you know, I, I've heard rumblings about, well, it takes five days for guys to get in the building now. We're not going to be able to get them in right away. They're going to miss a game. So that kind of diminished their value. So that could have been another reason why teams made a little bit earlier moves and nothing really at the deadline when really you would think that this would be a year where there's sort of the, the field is wide open. Would you would think would be a year that teams would be adding at the trade deadline when they felt like they could win. It definitely was something we should have done. But again, we don't really know what is happening behind the scenes, if there was any legitimate offer on there. But we probably, I, it's really hard for me to see us shopping a guy like Kerry Hyder, who I think probably had the most value given the state of our DNs. I mean, you brought up Blair. Who knows when he's going to be back? Hopefully it's after the bye. But realistically, I, I who knows how much he's going to play or what kind of shape he's going to be in. And we're just so thin there. It's really hard to sell off parts. That part, though, that doesn't bother me because we're at, I mean, the season's over. So I don't care if it's some random dude who's on our practice squad. That's fine for me. I said, I mean, this isn't really about winning games at this point. It's the same complaint I have over Josh, you know, Josh Johnson signing. Like this should be about evaluation. So I don't care if we bring up some rando from the practice squad to see what they are as a, as a defensive end, because honestly, like at this point, I don't even know if I'm bringing Blair back. Like there's nothing to be gained except maybe you bring him back the last game or two just to see if the knee is okay so that you make that signing next year on the cheap. This is about evaluation. And if we're looking at, uh, you know, players in that, in that way, as opposed to like, let's try to win football games. I'm fine with that. That to me is almost what this should be at this point, because I'm not trying to secure an eighth, an eighth seed in the playoffs and get bounced in, in round one. I mean, so I'm fine with bringing young guys who are on somebody else's practice squad. I'm good with that stuff. That's fine with me because this should be at this point about evaluation. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly, but the Josh Johnson thing, I can't think kind of signals that the team doesn't really agree with you because, you know, if they did, they wouldn't be looking to make that type of move. So, you know, I or guess my point I, is I don't that, know how they think that with Josh Johnson. Like, I don't know what their goal is there because the goal cannot be to have him start games. Like, that cannot be the reason for signing him. To me, that makes no sense. That's That's why I hate it so much because that can't be the goal. I mean, Jimmy's on IR, so he's got to miss three games. But if you're bringing him back after the bye, like, what are we doing here? Like with Josh Johnson, it's just a way that wastes more money. Like I would have just assumed brought Brock, Brock Rudder back. And I don't even know anything about that dude other than he went to a Division three school. I, I don't know what they're thinking here. And I feel like at times I, I, I really want to be like, you brought it up earlier, but I, I really want to just go like, this is why Kyle can't be in charge of personnel. He's had some some missteps on the personnel side. I mean, kind of to be determined whether or not he's good at evaluating quarterback talent. I think he's good once he has guys in the room with him. He can get a lot out of them, but whether or not he can actually choose the quarterback uh, that should be his quarterback based on you know everything out there, you know that's really to be determined. I mean, we really haven't seen 
I mean, we traded up to get C.J. Beathard. It wasn't a, a big trade up. I think it only cost us a seventh round pick, but did trade up to get him. And I think the Josh Johnson thing really, to me, signified, and I made a post on this on the forum that signified that Kyle's just kind of done with C.J. He sees it in practice. The guy's not sharp. He's, you know, he is who he is. Everybody knows who he is. He's a tough SOB, but he's not, uh, doesn't deliver the ball accurately on time. And, and that's, you know, a big part of this offense. So I think Kyle's very frustrated with the way the year has gone. And the fact that we've had Garoppolo make a ton of mental mistakes. We've had Mullins make a ton of physical mistakes. And then, you know, CJ is CJ. I think that this Josh Johnson thing really to me is that Kyle is just kind of done with CJ and he's looking to bring in, you know, the best veteran backup he can for Nick Mullins in case Nick Mullins gets hurt. I don't think necessarily Josh Johnson is, is going to be brought in to be, you know, our starter, quote unquote. I still think that's going to be Mullins for the rest of the year. But if Mullins goes down, I think Kyle doesn't want anything to do with CJ. And I think he's just kind of, he's evaluated him enough to know who he is. And he knows that no extra playing time is going to change his opinion on him. And, and I get what you're saying. You want to bring in somebody from another building that maybe you liked that has some upside, but that unfortunately is not the mindset that he has, even though it probably should be at this point. But who knows? Maybe, you know, after another loss or two, maybe his sort of opinion will change. I think right now he's looking at it like until we're dead, we're not dead. But there may be a point very soon where he has to come to the reality of, you know, that this is just a lost season and he needs to just do whatever he can to prep for the future. So who knows what's going to happen? I mean, obviously we got New Orleans coming up when we get the bye week, but really interesting to see what we will do at quarterback. Do you believe that you've seen the last of Garoppolo in a Niners jersey? I'm like 50-50. <laughs> I, I hate that answer, but I really am because we're, we want to talk about this and, and this is going to be a path that we're going to go go down moving forward really with the season kind of not panning out. So many of our guys hurt. It almost feels pointless for us to to kind of rehash the game. So this is something that Enfrel and I we're gonna kind of look into is during the rest of the season, spend some time focusing on these player evaluations. And I'm really torn on this one because I don't think he's good. I mean, I think he's fine. I think he's competent. I think we could maybe trade him to a team. Could we trade him to to the Colts? I kind of feel like, yeah, we could. Like I we're not gonna get a lot for him, but like I feel like he's got some value as a quarterback. Because he's not bad. He's not good. He's not bad. But the question is, is like, where does the answer come from? And and this is something I don't really want to get into as a whole, you know, when looking at our team at this position, because I, I feel like we're going to have other episodes down the line where you and I really deep dive into possible replacements. But looking at this quarterback room, and I know that people mentioned it all throughout the game day thread, like how they just wanted to completely overhaul the quarterback room, right? Like all three new quarterbacks. That's not going to happen. And you wouldn't want it to happen. We're not going to have two new backups and a new starter. Like, you're just not going to see that. If we are, if we do do that, then one of them is like Brian Hoyer. Guarantee it because you want somebody who's familiar with the terminology. You want somebody who's familiar with the scheme so that they can teach others. That's why you always see new coaches bring in people they're familiar with when they get hired for a new job because they need people that help them out in, in teaching their schemes and, and their playbooks and things like that. So, there's basically three options, or I guess there's, I mean, there's three options. There's, yeah, we clean up the, we, we clean out the quarterback room and we bring in someone like Hoyer as a QB three or QB two. We keep one of the backups and then we, or we clean out the backups and we keep Jimmy. 
I'm like 50-50 on, on Jimmy because here's the thing. Like we could take a first round quarterback and still keep Jimmy. You know what I mean? Like that, and because that's, that's a possibility of something that could realistically happen, that sort of improves his chances of sticking around. So it's really tough for me to say. I tend to lean slightly towards, yes, that is the last that we've seen. I think we want the money to, to, to build the team around him. I think evidence, even if it's circumstantial, would point that Kyle is not a huge fan. Like, I think I kind of feel like Kyle views him in the way that I do. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I agree with you. I think Kyle, you know, he really he has a very specific plan and, you know, we hear him talk him in, in the post game pressers and, you know, he will mention off script plays, but I feel like a lot of the plus plays that, that Jimmy has made over the years, Kyle kind of looks at it like, yeah, that's the play I designed. That's the play I, I drew up and he executed it the way that I wanted it done. Whereas you think there's some other quarterbacks that maybe they go through their reads and maybe they do, they, they do a little bit more ad libbing than Jimmy has shown us that he's capable of doing. Because uh, he really has not gone through his reads. He has not been a heady quarterback. He has not seen the field very well. It's been very frustrating for me watching the coaches film. I can only imagine how it feels to be Kyle watching Garoppolo stare down a receiver on the left when you have guys wide open on the right. That was not something he did when we first got him. Uh, you know, I think if it was something he had done, I don't think we would have paid him as much money as we did. It seemed like he was really good about going through his reads. He was really good about making quick decisions. And, you know, he just really hasn't done it. It's been very inconsistent. The footwork has been horrible outside of the injury. I mean, it was terrible footwork in week one prior to the injury, you know. And ironically, the Jets game was probably the game that he had the best footwork in. I think the Patriots game was probably right up there with it. But for the most part, he's been really, he hasn't been sharp mentally. You know, who knows how he's, what he's like in practice. But in the NFL, you really, you play one game a week. So, not showing up mentally for the one game a week is just really unacceptable. And it seems like it's happened most of the time this year. And I feel like Kyle's going to look at, you know, how much money we're paying him. And he's going to say, look, Jimmy, if we, if you're going to come back, we're going to have to reduce your salary this year. This is the, we weren't expecting the cap to go down. We like you as a quarterback. We, we thought you were going to take up X percentage of our cap. Now you're going to take up a larger percentage. So we need to reduce that number down to this, or we're going to consider getting rid of you. And I feel like if they have that conversation with Garoppolo, he's the kind of guy that may accept it because number one, he's made a lot of money already in his career. And number two, I think he understands the guys in this locker room and sort of the scheme that we have and everything. And I think he realizes that even if it is his last year here, the road to getting a big contract from someone else be a lot easier than going someone else on a, on a one-year deal or in a year where there's deflated salary cap. So, you know, I think we could trade him. I think, you know, we may ask him for a price reduction. I just don't really see a way that we're going to pay him, you know, $25 million for next season, given the mental mistakes, given the inconsistencies, and given the scheme. I mean, you know, Kyle gets guys open. He, Like I said, he does want things done a certain way, but there's going to be guys open Underneath, the run game is going to be good, and hopefully if we can spend that money on some defenders, then you know our defense will be strong. So anytime you have a strong defense, a good running game, and wide receivers that are incredible after the catch, I feel like you can have success with maybe a guy that isn't a top-tier top elite-type quarterback. 
And so, you know, I don't want to pay someone $25 million if they're going to be sort of in that middle ground. I'd almost rather go cheaper and just let Kyle, you know, do his thing. Maybe there's some growing pains, but ultimately I think that uh, Kyle is ready to move on. I think, you know, the fact that we didn't restructure him this year when it seemed like sort of a no-brainer thing to do to create cap space and instead, you know, you and I have talked about it numerous times, we restructured Richburg. We restructured Quan Alexander, who now is gone. You know, we restructured D Ford. I mean, it was just guys that have had injury problems that pro- probably aren't going to be on our team long term. We extended them or restructured them over Garoppolo. So I think that speaks volumes to me. And I think we may be able to kind of sell him on the idea of, look, cap's going down and we were going to ready to pay you this, but now we can't. So we want you to take a price reduction or we're going to get rid of you. Have you yeah, thought? I could, I could, I could absolutely see that, and I hadn't actually really considered that before. But you're right because we've done this numerous times where we've brought somebody back just by cutting their salary. Like, hey, if you want to stick around? We gotta, we gotta make this work for both parties, and that makes sense because the thing is, and, and you're, you're absolutely right. And I'm glad you brought up the, the thing about like how much, you know, what Jimmy does is generally the things that. Kyle has drawn it up to, to, to do. And Eric Crocker actually said something recently that was very similar. Hey, yeah, Jimmy does his thing, but like when a play goes for 40 yards, it's generally the design of the play. It's a five yard pass that Debo gets, slips a tackle and he's just gone, or it's Kittle running over people. You don't see Jimmy Garoppolo making magic happen. You just don't. That is not a thing that happens. He is very ingrained into the system. And then the result of the play is typically a result of the of the scheme of the play, not anything that he's doing, uh, you know, in the play. And I think that's a huge, huge distinction that not a lot of people really consider. This system is designed to make things easy. He, the last two years, he's had the second lowest average depth of target in the NFL. Only Breeze is lower, and we know why Breeze is, you know, Breeze's average is lower because his arm is forty one years old. And it gets worse when you really start thinking about other things because like Jimmy Garoppolo just turned 29. So he's heading into his age 30 season next year. So he's not young. He's also still got injury issues. What is it? We've had him now for basically three years of this contract and he started 25 games and I believe he's missed 22 or whatever. If he doesn't start another game this year, whatever that the split is, it's 48 games total in the last three years. So he's managed to start 25 of them. So it's 25 and 23. If he doesn't play again this year, this is important stuff because, you know, as you get older, your health doesn't typically get better. And we look at him and and I'm with you. Like, I think the thing with Jimmy is that you can money ball his production. You can money ball what he does. And that's an, that's that's important to realize because you start looking at some of these other guys who aren't going to cost that much. You might, it, you know, the money becomes more and more important. So I hadn't thought about the just decreasing his salary. Jimmy's going to have to be open to that because maybe he gets lucky and we can trade him to a team like Indy, Indianapolis who has a boatload of cap space. But there's not going to be a lot of suitors out there for that that type of salary. That's a lot of money to owe to people. I mean, he has the built-in advantage of all his guarantees being gone. You know, if you trade for Cousins, you're locked into that 2022 salary. Nobody wants that. So this is this is an interesting situation for the team and for the player and for the other teams. I, I think that's one of the reasons why it's very tough for me to gauge whether or not he'll be back. I'm really torn. It's 50-50. I think there are going to be some options. 
I think we're picking on the fringe of the top 10. So I mentioned it earlier. I think the record's six and 10, seven and nine. So I feel like we're going to pick somewhere between nine and 13. And I mean, there's a possibility that there's a quarterback available there. Four quarterbacks in the top 10 is kind of hard. It doesn't happen all that often. It did happen a couple of years ago in 2018, but you don't see it happen all too all that often. And if we're going to pick a nine to 13, we're going to be in a spot where we can acquire a quarterback if you believe that there are four who are worthy of the top 10. So it's a very interesting scenario. I think, I think it's close. I think it's going to be really, really interesting. What I, I think you have to have a plan in place in order to make the move, but I think that plan is a little bit more wide open than, than people think it has to be. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, I, there are options out there. If, you know, I know that Jay hates the idea of like just acquiring Sam Darnold. And, and to be honest, I think that that's not very likely because I don't think we are going to give up what it's going to take to get him. I think it would take our second and I don't think that's going to happen. But would it shock me if, if Kyle was like, you know what? We're going to bring in Sam Darnold and we're going to be successful with him. What's up? <laughs> it's like, I wouldn't be surprised at all if that were the case. And so I think the options are are pretty varying in, in ways that we can adequately replace him without losing much on the team. I think that, you know, Kyle probably agrees because like I said before, it does seem like a lot of the success it's tailored towards, you know, the system and everything. So ultimately I think in a different year, if the cap was going up, you probably would just draft a quarterback, keep Jimmy at the 25 million and then have uh, worked this rookie in slowly over time and give him give him whatever time he needs. But I think with the salary cap going down, I heard Lynch say on the radio last week that he was expecting it to be somewhere between 180 and 190 million. He doesn't actually think that it's going to go down to the full 175. So that should hopefully give us a little bit of breathing room there because I think that there are a lot of guys we'll need to resign and it's going to be a tough off season for us losing a lot of guys that we're going to lose and not having a lot of the uh the picks to replace them so you know it it will be a season where we may need to get creative maybe this sort of rough patch extends into next year with some growing pains with a new quarterback but ultimately i think you look at seattle a couple years ago i mean 2012 was the uh first year that they had russell wilson as their starter and he kind of worked himself into being an elite quarterback. They won a lot of games when he was really young because they had the run game and the defense and playmakers. And so they had a lot of success. And then as sort of those other pieces fell off, it's really hard to sustain an, an elite defense in this league. You really have to have 11 to 15 guys that can play at a high level at what you need them to do. And it's really hard to continuously replenish the well when you lose guys to injury or, you know, because everyone's making plays, they get, you know, big contract from another team. It's really, really hard to do that. It's hard to keep your championship window open if your basis is defense. And so I feel like ultimately the best way to kind of build, keep that championship window open is to get a quarterback that can elevate the other players on your team. And I think that having a scheme that we have that can elevate the quarterback's play, I think is conducive to not paying a quarterback a lot of money. I think when Garoppolo initially got hurt and we sort of crushed the Giants, I think a lot of people out there were talking about, wow, Kyle could do the money ball approach at quarterback. He could just continuously have rookies 
we could trade Nick Mullins for fourth round pick or something and draft a quarterback late and develop that guy and make him look good and keep trading guys and acquiring different guys like that. So it was something that seeing the idea floated out around there saying, you know, Kyle's one of the few guys in the NFL that could probably do it. Now, granted, it is a, a complicated scheme. It's not necessarily easy. I mean, there's a lot of option routes. Kyle has, like I said, he, want, he has a particular way he likes things done. He wants certain routes ran a certain way against different coverages. And that's one of the reasons why he has so much success because the, the all, offense is sort of evolving every week, every play based on what the defense is doing. And I feel like that can be kind of hard for a quarterback, uh, but we've seen him kind of simplify it. When we first got Garoppolo, he just kind of made it a lot easier on him. And I feel like we could do that with a rookie as long as it's the right rookie. Ultimately, I think C.J. Beathard is probably gone. I think we're going to give Mullins a second round tender and pay him a couple million dollars to be the backup. And, you know, whether or not Garoppolo's back is kind of to be determined. And this front office, they really make moves in conjunction with other moves. I think, you know, when you look back at the draft, I traded DeForest Buckner away. I don't think we did that with the expectation that we were going to draft Kinlaw. I think that we did that sort of knowing that Staley was going to retire, knowing that there was four tackles coming out in this draft and that we are going to be right in the range where one would be available. And then, you know, the Trent Williams situation pops up. We kind of knew that was in our back pocket. And so that's why we decided to draft Kinlaw. So I think that this move will be in conjunction with another move. I mean, if they don't feel like they need the money to go out and sign somebody, then maybe we do keep Jimmy. But if they say, hey, we've got this guy, maybe it's Yannick that you know is somebody that we really like we want to pay him 18 million dollars a year well now we can't pay garoppolo so i feel like it's kind of all going to be this puzzle that they're going to fit together and ultimately i'm excited to see how they uh how they approach it yeah i don't know how they make it work i mean like okay so the cap is estimated at 175 right now and it could be 180 could be 185 we're the 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 teams are losing a lot of money i tend to err on the side of caution i'm going to say 175 but that doesn't necessarily mean that teams will spend to the cap and bring in that kind of new money either. And that's important to remember when you're thinking about what teams are going to do moving forward. The 49ers have lost over $100 million so far in terms of just gate revenue because they are one of the teams that depend that on a cost basis per fan is one of the highest in the in the NFL. It's, it's the same in baseball. The Giants are one of the highest uh, per fan costs uh, in Major League Baseball. So I feel like we this is something, to... though. I, I, sorry to interrupt you really quick, though. I, I want to make the distinction of not making $100 million is different than losing $100 million. I mean, lo- lost revenue is not the same to me as operating at a loss. No, it's not. But it does when you're not making that money to pay people. So you got you want to recoup that money back somehow. We basically, the, the, the owner's pocketbooks, however you want to say it, is $100 million lighter, so to speak than it would have been on a normal season. So you're seeing it in the NHL right now, where a lot of teams are just on internal caps. And so we don't know. We we have one of the poorest owners in the NFL. Sucks, but it's true. I have no idea what his reaction is going to be to not making the money he was expecting to make this season. I can't rule out that he's going to say, hey, look, we don't want to spend this much money because you know Lynch has to get this stuff approved. So I can't say that it's going to impact it or I can't say it's not, but I cannot rule it out. That's for sure. Because people said it, if you remember earlier in this year, 
people caught it when when Lynch said we're out of cash. Not necessarily we're out of the cap or we're at the cap. He said we're out of cash. And I that's important to remember because you know these guys they come in and yeah, especially when you're giving signing bonuses, that money's guaranteed. You're giving that right away. So very important that even if the cap's 185, we might not spend that much. You know, we may structure deals differently. I would hope that would be the way that we would go about it. Um, maybe trying to spread some things out so we're not giving, having to pay everything up front. So it's a little bit neater on the front end, but, and I'm sure Parag can work with that. If I can do it, he can do it. So I don't know how we, I mean, we're about, we're in pretty good shape. We have like 20 million in space, but again, Look at the holes we've got. Sherman's a free agent. Quan Williams, Tart, Trent Williams, Juice is a free agent. And we don't have a lot of money. Like if you look around, take out Jimmy. If you look around at the, the players, we don't have a lot of like flexible money. We can't, we're not cutting a bunch of guys to, to save cap space, right? We just don't have a lot of guys who are empty in terms of their guarantees, so to speak. So we have Jimmy, but then D Ford saves 6.4 and we mostly expect him gone. Richburg saves almost five. A lot of dead money on both of those. That's 20 million in dead money, which sucks, but might need to do. But then after that, like Lake and Tomlinson's four. Uh, if you cut them, Mostert's three. Like how many guys are we going? Do we have to replace if we cut all these guys to free up this money? So I feel like if we want to make this a worthwhile team around the quarterback spot, we have to get rid of Jimmy. I don't know how else we make that work because Trent Williams is going to get a lot of money. He's going to get 15, 16, 20 million, maybe. I don't know, but he's definitely going to eat up a lot of that cap space that we have if we resign him. And then we still have a whole lot of people to replace after him, if we give him that money, there's a lot of holes that are going to be coming forward next year. And that's a problem for sure. And, and that's why I think there's going to be a lot of like little cuts guys like Kendrick Bourne. I can't pay Kendrick Bourne $2 million next year. I can't do it. I would rather give that role to Richie James as a wide receiver three, four on his, the final year of a seventh you know, round rookie deal and hope that he's competent. You know, at least in, in terms of Kendrick Bourne's competency. I don't know how you bring Kyle Juszczyk back if he's making $5 million. Like, that doesn't work for me. I don't even know if we'll keep Gould on the team. I think his hits like three. So it's it's interesting. I do agree with you. I think I think Bethard's gone. I think that's I, I think that goes without saying. Nick Mullins, I know that a lot of people were just furious with him and seemed to really want him gone, but He's a backup quarterback. They're typically pretty awful. And I implore you, like for the people who are, he's terrible. Yes, he is terrible, but that's why he's a backup. But go look at some of the backups in the NFL. You'll find that he's probably in the top half of that group. I mean, John Mannion, Ryan Finley, Brett Hundley. There's something called a John Wolford out there. We saw all, all I needed to see of Mason Rudolph last year. Mike Glennon is still out there kicking around. It's really bad as a backup quarterback. And so Blaine Gabbert is still a backup. Okay. He's still out there. So, I mean, I get that Nick Mullins has some pretty amazingly bad games and plays. I mean, two of the interceptions he's thrown this year are two of the worst I've ever seen in my life. But 
all things considered, he might be still one of the better backups in the NFL. So I think I agree with you. I think we tender him at something, sign him to a, a, a small deal or a small tender, you know, between two and four million, and we keep him there. He's, I, you know, the the talk about what he does from a book standpoint is is, is pretty complimentary. He's a hard worker type. So I, I don't expect him to go anywhere, and I know that might not make people happy, but it's not as bad as you think either. Trust me. Yeah, I I agree with you. He has had some bad plays where he kind of zeroes in on a receiver and throws without really looking at what the defense is doing, and that's given him some problems. He's had other times where he's trusted his arm to make you know an NFL type throw, and his NF his arm is not an NFL quality. So, but there are times where he goes through his progressions. He see, finds the open guy, delivers the ball accurately and on time. And I feel like that's really all we need for the most part when we're healthy. Green Bay game, Trent Williams wasn't there. School was horrible. We had Brunskill at center. You had Tom Compton at right guard to start the game. It was just a disaster. And he, he didn't play well, but he was also getting getting a lot of heat. And I think that against the Eagles, it was a similar scenario where he was getting hit a lot. And everyone talks about CJ's toughness. Well, I, I think Bowens is is right up there as well. I'm, he takes a lot of hits and, you know, doesn't seem phased by it at all. You know, so I, I think that it's definitely, he's definitely a quality backup. He's a guy that mid-game injury, I'm ready for him to come in. I think he showed that against Seattle. I mean, Seattle's you know, secondary is horrible, but, and they were up by so much, who knows what they're really calling, but he is always ready. That's one thing I, I always like about a backup, somebody that is locked in. I feel like a guy like Darnold, if Darnold came here and was our backup, that he may not have the mental acumen to be prepared and sharp on a day where he doesn't think he's going to play because uh, he's probably never been a backup. So, you know, it's a different mindset being a backup QB. He's a guy, you know, in a spot start or bring him in. I feel comfortable with him in this offense with the guys we have, but that's why I think bring him back on a short-term deal, just tender him, keep him for cheap. You know, a couple million dollars for a backup is is something that if you're not spending, you're almost negligent. Whether it's Jimmy's back or not, I feel like Mullins is, is a lock for next year, and we will draft somebody. I think I'm pretty confident when I say that. It's just a matter of what round. I mean, you know, everyone likes to talk about Kirk Cousins being a fourth-round pick, in Washington when, when Kyle was there. And I feel like that kind of guy can be out there for us. I think we'll do another pod about, you know, specific players that we like down the road. But ultimately, I think that the 49ers as a franchise are kind of known as a team that have really great quarterbacks, even though we haven't had one in a really long time. And so I think that just time for us to get somebody who can be that guy, that franchise quarterback. And you just look at our roster and I just don't see him right now. So for me, that's that's what I'm looking forward to. Kind of sucks to be back in this position as a Niner fan where a month and a half left of the season and you know we're already talking about what's going to be happening in April and May. But you know that's where we are, unfortunately, due to all the injuries and everything else that's happened with this brutal schedule that we had this year but ultimately i uh i trust the front office and i trust kyle once he's got a guy that can work the system i trust his ability to coach him but whether or not he is the guy to pick the quarterback that will be in the system is kind of a different topic entirely so your your gut what do you what do you think you think mullins is back cj's gone 
And what what is your where are you at on Jimmy? Give me give me a percentage. Like I'm literally like quite literally 50-50 on this. Yeah, so I think it's 100% that Garoppolo is not back at his current salary. That's my opinion. So I think that's I, a good point. <laughs> yeah. I do. I actually really like that one. I think I think that's just given how we have maneuvered maneuvered cap hits. I I would definitely agree with you on that. Yeah, so either if he takes a pay cut, then great, we'll bring him back for a year. We'll sit a rookie down, we'll get the rookie comfortable in the system, and then moving forward, we will make that switch. But Garoppolo's not willing to take the pay cut, then I'll just as soon take the lumps in year one with a rookie. But it just means we can't wait past the first round. You know, we really have to make it in the first or second round. And so that kind of changes the equation. We kind of need to get that out of the way before the draft. But I feel like that should be something that we should be able to do. I mean, looking around at the NFL, I mean, you mentioned the Colts. I think Chicago is a team that would like Garoppolo. But outside of that, I'm not really sure where he would go. I guess one of these teams that miss out on the top two guys, Trevor Lawrence and uh, Justin Fields. I feel like if there's a team that misses out on one of those guys drafting in the top 10, maybe they make a move. You know, I don't know if like a team like Jacksonville, let's say they win one or two more games and they end up with like the sixth pick or something. I don't know if they're going to make that move, but I feel like there could be a team out there like that. But ultimately, I feel like it's going to be a soft market for Garoppolo. I mean, the NFL executives, they're not necessarily dumb. They look at the film. They probably see a lot of the same things that I see that Kyle sees, you know, missing open guys. And then they look at the positive plays and they realize that a lot of it's scheme dependent. So don't think he's going to have a huge market. I think that his agent may make some calls and there may not be, you know, somebody all ready to pay him that dollar amount. And I feel like that's maybe part of the process of getting him to take a pay cut is say, hey, look, go explore the trade market. You tell us what you think you're worth and give us an offer sheet from somebody else. And, you know, I'm just trying to figure out who's going to pay Garoppolo $25 million because if we cut him, it's no guaranteed money. I mean, he's it's not like we're going to cut him. He's going to get X and then he's going to go play somewhere else and make another $5 million or $10 million on top of that. It's all or nothing if we cut him. So I think that if we cut him and he goes and he's a free agent, who's going to pay him? really think that that really is the most likely thing in my mind is give him a pay cut. And if he doesn't want to take it, then roll with a guy like Zach Wilson, who I'm sure we'll do another pod on you know, rookie quarterbacks later on. Yeah, we definitely are. We are going to get more into the specifics of the deep dive to the people because each of them has some good and bad. And I, I think you can easily spend 10 minutes on each of them. And then we'll probably do separate ones for free agents or trade targets like Cousins and Darnold. And then another one with with the draft guys because there are some really quality product. Uh, you know, prospects in the first round. Uh, and like I said, I think we're going to be close to being able to draft those guys. So uh, we'll call it a wrap for now. And this will likely be the, you know, the way we're going to approach this from here on out for the rest of the season. I, it, obviously, if there's things that happen in the games that are worth talking about, we'll talk about them. But I believe that we're going to mainly commit this to looking at the roster, looking at where we are at in terms of players who are free agents and what kind of money we have and the economic climate the NFL has potentially moving forward. And of course the draft, all the decisions we're going to have to make. I I think it's a little bit more interesting for where the team is at right now that we discuss those as opposed to just give you guys a recap on what we saw in the games or a preview on 
the next week's games, which will more than likely just get thrown out altogether at this point. So uh, we will try and get those down to you. And also nicely will <laughs> relieve me of some of the pressure of having to edit these in time. We did actually do one last week, which will forever be the Forge and, and Pharrell lost episode. I couldn't get it edited in time. And by the time I did it, you know, everything was out of date. So uh, there was no point in posting it. So we basically just talked to each other for an hour last week for no reason. Um, but uh, we'll give it, we'll call it a wrap for now. Get into this a little bit more. And maybe we'll have a little bit of some disagreements here because we got a, we got a little bit of that going on tonight. And I, I do like where we are not both simpatico on everything because I think it it's important, especially since I have some weird views on some of this that, you know, we bring different, different ideas in terms of uh, what we're seeing and what we would want to do, but uh, we'll continue to go down this road. If you guys want to join as always, feel free to hit us up and let us know. And we'd love to have you. Any last words? Um, you know, usually this is the moment in the pot. I'd say go Niners, but at this point it seems like a futile exercise. So I'll just say that, you know, I'm hoping that New Orleans doesn't uh, absolutely boat race us from start to finish and we can at least keep it a game into the third quarter. Yeah, I would like to see us be, I just want to see us be competitive. I want to see guys who I see have a long-term future with the team or at least a future moving forward. I want to see them perform well. That to me is the most important thing right now moving forward. I mean, I don't want to see us get blown out by 40, but if we lose by three touchdowns, but I'm seeing like, things I really like from guys like Givens or Richie James and Jermichael Hasty, then, then I'm okay with that. That, that. I've kind of shifted gears at this point now to, to what I really want to see happen. Uh, hopefully we keep everything close. I'm going to admit that at this point I'm kind of in tank mode. I, you know, I, I I'm not going to be upset if we win games because I, I think that's sort of, I, I, it's just hard to be mad about winning games. And I, I get that we were all kind of there when we lost out of miles Garrett but it's just one of those things where it's it's really kind of hard to wrap my head around. I acknowledge that it's not in the best long-term interest, but emotionally as a fan, it's really hard to be like, yay, we lost, or no, we won. It's really hard. So, yeah, I, I, but long-term, best thing is probably losing. But I'm just going to root for the Niners. Whatever happens, happens, and I just want the young guys to play well. I agree with you 100%. Thanks to All everybody right, out there for listening to us. Yeah, thank you so much. Again, let us know if you want to join. And uh, don't steal license plates from people's cars. Just (laughs) saying. Okay? It's bad. Don't do it. And I will find my license plate, whoever you are. (laughs) Take it easy, guys. Good night.